Welcome back, Sir Michael. Hello. <laughs> yes. What's the what's the appropriate response to that? Hiya. <laughs> I'm Hiya. back. Did you miss me? <laughs> Did you miss me? No <laughs> one missed me. I, I I timed the podcast recording schedule perfectly, so no one would even know I was gone. Where did you go? Where did I go? I went to Japan. Where in Japan? Kyushu, the southern island. Well, is it the southern island? It's not like the most southern island. It is an island at the southern end of Japan. It's a big island. Is it even an island? <laughs> it's Kyushu. Ultimately, everything's an island, so you're, you're, you're safe there. Yeah, that's right. So a relaxing trip. Yeah. I went to a town that is famous for its hot springs, and I went to many onsens, and also many... I was going to try and say the Japanese word, but then I chickened out. Hells. Jigoku? I'm probably saying that wrong. What are these hells? They are basically hot springs that are too hot. As in, they're hot enough to cook food. So you can actually go and buy food that's cooked in those hot springs. But no live demos. No live demos, sadly. Well, there is just steam just gouting out the ground in random places. And they just build these little wooden boxes over them. So you can, I assume, just shove some chicken in and close the box and cook it. Like, literally, there is just steam pouring out the ground in places. It's kind of scary, actually. I mean, you're literally standing on a volcano that is just blasting out steam everywhere. And it's like, yay, it's a relaxing holiday. Um, you're kind of on a molten death machine. Depends how you look at it. So yeah, it was a very nice and relaxing holiday. They even put you into a sandpit. <laughs> they put me into a sandpit. Yes, they put me into a sandpit. I went to many regular bathhouses, and I also went to a beach sand bath, where they've got a load of grey sand that they mix with hot spring water, so it's kind of wet and very hot, and then they just bury you in this sand for 15 minutes would you do it again i don't know i mean i wouldn't not do it again i wouldn't go out of my way to do it again it was like a tenor to be buried in the sand i guess it was relaxing do you feel slightly vulnerable that your head is exposed and everything else is under the sand well i mean if you had to run away because like the volcano erupted or something you probably could just bust out the sand it's not like it was that heavy you're not buried feet first in the sand you're lying on the sand like a bed and then they just heap sand on top of you it's not like they dig a pit and you jump into it and then they just like seal you in and you're relying on their charity to let you back out again his credit card didn't clear leave him in there leave him in there until his credit improves that's not gonna happen if they're just leaving <laughs> you in there <laughs> true they haven't thought this through do you want to talk about your bag (laughs) my souvenirs from Kyushu I bought a bag that has I think it's a cat but maybe it's a Shiba Inu dog I'm calling it a cat it's just a cat just like flipping people off I thought it was hilarious I saw this cat in this delightful little mountain village of I'm going to say the name wrong again Yufun (laughs) Yufuin. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, it was this quaint little onsen town, but there was a souvenir shop outside the station and it was just selling these bags with different cat designs on. And I bought one that has a cat just like flipping people off because I thought it was hilarious. I actually didn't buy the bag the first time. I thought it was funny and took a photo. And then as we were leaving... I was like, you know what? I really want to buy this bag. And I just had to sprint back to the shop before it closed to buy the bag. Best purchase ever. When are you going to deploy the bag? I've been deploying the bag all the time. (laughs) I've actually been carrying the bag around and just using it for shopping. I just put groceries in it and just like flip off the cashier. (laughs) I wait the day where you need to just hold up the bag to signal to someone. (laughs) The thing is, it seemed really funny when I was on holiday because it feels like in Japan, they're like, is this offensive? I don't know. Ha ha ha. But now I'm in Hong Kong. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is actually quite offensive. So I've been turning the bag in to face me. And then I just like rotate it around to look at people. And then my other souvenir and falling back on our secondary goal in life of being a serial review podcast. I bought some melon cereal. 
I don't actually know if this is really melon cereal. I haven't opened it yet. Google Translate tells me that the bag says limited edition melon flavor. But I don't know whether it's just going to be like regular cereal with melon bits in or if it's actually going to be melon flavored cereal. Which one do you think it is? I really think it's going to be melon flavored cereal. I'm really holding out for melon flavored cereal. They've got melon flavored everything else. But melon flavored is enough. So long if it's still cereal cereal, you're okay with that. Yeah, I mean, it looks kind of like Special K. So Special K with melon bits. No, Special K that's flavoured with artificial melon flavour. Well, let's just open it that's and the see. Dream. <laughs> yeah, let's open it. Let's find out. So you're going to partake in the melon cereal? Yes, I am. I don't understand. Do you go into supermarkets seeking this stuff out? Or you're just... you're. Do, do you not you, go into supermarkets when you're on holiday? Your sixth sense just, it's just always, <laughs> it's tingling as you walk in, it's, it's walking just, through. It's just fun to go to supermarkets. Do you never go to supermarkets when you're on holiday in other countries and be like, oh look, they sell this weird thing. What is this? Yes, yes I do. But you always follow through. You're always buying the stuff. Yeah, well, what's the point of just looking at it? You've got to try it. Good. Okay, so here we go. Let's do it. Oh, this is totally melon-flavoured cereal. <laughs> Just smell this. Wow. If only you could smell this. This is amazing. Enough? Is this your dinner now? Yes, this is my dinner now. They've really got the flavour quite right. I don't know. Maybe I'll have, I'll have a few spoonfuls and think it's really artificial. Hmm. What do you think? I really use melon cereal. In real life, they kind of look like Frosties, but kind of orange, like cantaloupe orange, instead of sugary white. Do you know what the, the standard flavouring of this cereal is? I think it is just cornflakes. I saw a plain one. I saw one that looked like it was chocolate with banana. And I think I saw a strawberry one. Which, now knowing that these are actual melon-flavoured, were those strawberry-flavoured flakes? You're going to have to go to Japan and buy some. You would just go again. (laughs) Alright, you're right. Next week, (laughs) off to Kyushu again. So now we're just going to eat cereal for ten minutes. Can we just assume this isn't a very healthy cereal? I think that's probably a safe assumption. Well, what was your verdict? Five out of five. Five out of five. Would eat again. (laughs) Would eat again. Amazing. Yeah, it really was melon cereal. That's that's incredible and very unexpected. Why on earth would you make melon cereal other than because it's delicious? It's intriguing that, like Cocoa Pops turning the milk chocolatey, it turns the milk melony. The milk is actually a kind of pinkish-orange colour. It tastes like a cantaloupe. Wholly unnecessary. I wonder whether that's a side effect or whether they've just engineered for that one thing. We must turn the milk orange-pink. I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's like, well, it said it was melon cereal. Put really... the, I'm putting the order in now. Put in a box. <laughs> it's like, buy me a shipping crate full of melon cereal. The world needs to know. You will become the exclusive importer of melon cereal worldwide. No, you can't do that. Just Hong Kong then. We don't even know what this cereal's called. Like, there's no English at all on this packet. It's going to turn out it's a Chinese brand. <laughs> Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me today Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Timothy. We're a book club for games. But not today. Today. We're a serial reviewer. (laughs) No, today we're just talking about games industry stuff. But we're going to do it properly, aren't we? We're going to tell you what we're going to talk about. Oh! Smart. Very smart. So we're going to start off with... 
some Nintendo Switch Online. And then we'll follow that with some management games, in particular Jurassic World Evolution and Two Point Hospital. And then we'll finish off with some Battle Royale talk. Battle Royale slash single player games. And all that mess around that. Precipitated by Call of Duty, Black Ops 4, losing its single player campaign, but gaining a Battle Royale mode. Anyway. Let's talk about Nintendo Switch Online. Okay. Why, why so cautious? So this has been a long time coming, right? It's been delayed a year? Yes. Originally, the Switch Online service was meant to start in autumn, or fall if you're an American, 2017. Presumably to coincide with Mario Kart? Would that be right? Or Splatoon? I'm not sure now. Either way, one of the major multiplayer titles. I think it's Splatoon, but I'm also not 100%. So... Since their multiplayer service hasn't actually launched, instead, we've just had free multiplayer. Yay, because that's how it should be. Have you played any free multiplayer? No. To be fair, I have real-world friends. I don't need to play with, like, randoms. I'm joking. I'm joking, of course. I have no real-world friends. No. Um, <laughs> they've all left me. They've all gone. Roger, come back. You can uh, still play online. <laughs> I don't understand what happened there. But... <laughs> I'm just being melodramatic. You need real world friends to play Switch Online. Yeah. <laughs> They're compatible. Yes, 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 that's true. Although apparently Splatoon 2's online mode is a freaking nightmare. I read this really long wall of text from some guy on Reddit. I'll put a link in the show notes. Describing exactly the pain he went through trying to play Splatoon multiplayer with his friends. There's a stupid voice chat app. There's modes that are time limited. There's you can't play ranked in a party of three or something. I don't know. It just seems like a complete cluster. So I haven't bought Splatoon 2. I keep thinking about it, but then I keep hearing that it's just a total nightmare. And I've got PUBG to play. Anyhow, what is the online service going to launch with? Once Nintendo Switch Online goes live in September of this year, that's the plan now, right? Yes. Multiplayer will then be locked behind Switch Online, so you will have to pay to play online games. The cost is 20 USD for an individual, or 35 USD for a family subscription. For one year. For one year. The family subscriptions are a weirdly large number. Eight people. Including yourself. So, you plus seven others. Does this mean that we can buy just one family subscription and then invite, like, everyone we know and then pay $35? Because then you're paying, like, $5 each. How Apple do it is, you can do that, but everyone has access to the credit card of the main holder. So, when I buy something, John has to pay for it. So, what you're saying is that we can just rinse your credit card. Your credit card. <laughs> My credit card. <laughs> your idea. We should do what you, whatever you say goes. So, we should do what you said. Okay. I wonder if they will do what Spotify did and say, you must all reside at the same household. And they just make you pinky promise that you all reside at the same household. But... Oh, actually, I'm not going to say anymore. <laughs> I yeah I don't know how they they're locking that down. I guess no one knows yet. Well, actually, maybe someone does know. Well, let's just leave it at that. And then I do think it's really funny because Nintendo, after the first delay, said, "Oh, don't worry, it'll be worth the wait." And so now they've told us what we were waiting for. Has it been worth the wait? They're like their major feature. You'll get cloud saves. Um, I get that for free with Steam. I mean, I get it with Xbox and I get it with PlayStation as well. Is it free? It's not for free. Because, you know, PCs are just better. But one thing, on attention, one thing that PCs don't do well is HDR support. Yeah, okay, that's true. But that's because monitors don't do HDR support. It's like, it's come from the TV side, right? It's it's funny, this sort of thing. Sorry, this is a total tangent now. But yeah, like, when something 
new comes in, it's whether the driver was like movies and television or productivity. High refresh rates came in on the PC side, you know, like 100 hertz, 200 hertz monitors. Whereas stuff like HDCP, which, yeah, you're rolling your eyes, I'm rolling my eyes too, exactly. Like, no one wants HDCP, but, you know, it exists. And HDR, which is something that people do want, has come in, obviously, from the television side. Eventually, it'll be standard in monitors as well, just because that's how these things tend to go. I'm looking forward to that day. Yeah, I mean, can you buy good HDR monitors now? Yes, but the pricing is ridiculous. It's 2,000 US dollars, for instance. 2,000? How much does an HDR television cost? 500 pounds. This is like the stupid thing that happened when 4K first came out. Like a 4K monitor cost 2,000 US dollars, and a 4K television was like 500 pounds. It's like, well, I'm just going to plug my PC into this television then. But the refresh rate on the monitors are, are better at the moment. Yeah, I guess there is that. And the HDR you're getting really on the monitor is much better. It's more accurate, I think. And also... They're saying having to scale it down to 27 inches hard. Cut this out. We're done. Yeah, okay. So let's reel this in. Let's reel this back in. Have one line in. PC's not all that great. Now that Ting has had his last word, (laughs) and and I'll let him have it because I don't want this tangent to go on for half an hour. Coming back to Switch Online, cloud saves, online multiplayer, and then the pièce de résistance. The app. The app? What? That's not what I was going to talk about. Obviously, you're not going to talk about the app. What's the app? I you don't... get the, the Switch Online app is is one of the things you're paying for. What can you do on the app? Talk to your friends. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm serious. Look, scroll down on your website. Well. I'm speechless. For all the wrong reasons. Okay, you get the app. I was mostly referring to the 20 NES games. These games are literally, they're probably older than me. And I'm not exactly young anymore. They can't be older than you. You want to bet? Okay, let me just scan the list. How old is Balloon Fight? Let's check. Well, no, don't pick an old one. (laughs) (laughs) Pick a new one. (laughs) Suddenly, suddenly. Let's have a look at Balloon Fight then. Damn it, 86. You foiled me this time, Ting. I'm older than that. Okay, wait, let's check another one. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay, okay. Donkey Kong, surely. 1981. But is that arcade only? Oh. The NES version of Donkey Kong is slightly younger than me. Slightly younger than you too. That's okay. Anyway, these games are still old as. It's hardly PSN Plus or Games of Gold. What did we get for PSN Plus? We got something quite good recently, didn't we? Bloodborne. Bloodborne, yeah. That was an amazing deal. But there's Legend, The Legend of Zelda. There's Super Mario Brothers 3. They are really good games, but Nintendo have been milking these games for 30 years. Milking them again. Seriously, how many times can they sell us these games? They're doing another production run of the NES Classic. I mean, they just... They can't keep resting on their laurels with these games. There was all the business about Virtual Console as well, and them saying they're not going to do Virtual Console. It did actually sound like them not doing Virtual Console could be a good thing, because Virtual Console actually had a load of baggage attached to it, in terms of how it was emulated, in terms of how it was marketed. So... Them abandoning the virtual console branding could be a positive step, but that also remains to be seen. In any case, I do not think this library of 20 NES games is actually a very compelling offer. If it was a Netflix-style all-you-can-eat, while you're subscribed, you can play Nintendo's back catalogue, that would be compelling. If you could play all of their old licensed NES and SNES games. That would be great. All will never happen, though. How much do you need? Yeah, even if it's just the first party ones, that would still be good. If it's just the first party ones and they rotate in third party ones. What if I offered you, like, subscription upgrades? Yeah, I mean, I know I'm obviously just talking nonsense because, you know, 
six bars of gold is a really good offer as well, but no one's just going to offer that to me for no particular reason. Well, we are, there is a reason they're going to charge you more. I, I wouldn't. I mean, it's, well, I guess $20 annually is not that much. That is exactly. the thing. I mean, it is a bit galling because it used to be free. But then so did Sony and so did, well, actually, Xbox was never free, was it? It's a lot cheaper than the other two. It's definitely cheaper than the other two, but it's also a significantly worse service. You don't know that yet. (laughs) But with my psychic crystal ball, I can tell you it's going to be a worse service. It's Nintendo. (laughs) I don't think they comprehend why people want to play games online. They've got friends in real life. Why do they need online friends? (laughs) It's not healthy to have online friends is what they think. So one last question. At what point will you subscribe? And for how long? The thing is, with these holding you to ransom online services, you subscribe when there's a game you want to play, and you just keep subscribing until the end of time, or until you switch allegiance. Like, I subscribed to Xbox Live Gold because... All my friends were playing Gears of War, and I wanted to play Gears of War with them. And then after that, I was just subscribed forever until I moved to Hong Kong and switched allegiance to PlayStation because of region locking. I've now been just subscribed to PlayStation Plus for seven years. How many online games have I played? Uh, Some Destiny and some Monster Hunter. Some COD. Some COD. <laughs> like, three hours of COD and two hours of Battlefield 1. I mean, that is an exaggeration. <laughs> it was much less than that. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, much less multiplayer than I would have thought. Rocket League? <laughs> <laughs> Stop bringing <laughs> Yes, a smidgen of Rocket League. So, when will I buy Nintendo Switch Online? When Nintendo launches a game that has multiplayer on to play. I have no idea what that would be. Like a Zelda MMO? I don't know. But that's probably when I will subscribe, and then I'll probably just be subscribing forever. Your thoughts? Same. It'll be the same. The thing is, I don't actually know what Nintendo game I would want to play. What would be the Switch game that would make me want to play online? Because... For me, Mario Kart, Smash Brothers, I've actually always played those like couch party multiplayer. I've never really played those online multiplayer. I mean, I'm not saying the online multiplayer isn't good. I just personally never really got into it. Splatoon, again, I've just never really got into it. And then other third party games, I'm more likely to buy them on either PS4 or PC. So... I don't actually know what Nintendo could possibly release that would make me want to buy their online service. It would have to be a Switch exclusive, in which case it would most likely be a first-party game. But I don't know what Nintendo game. If they made Galaxy 1 or 2 exclusive to the stupid site, the online service, I would subscribe for that. Yeah, if they... If they made HD remasters of Wii and Wii U games, well, I guess they wouldn't have to do an HD remaster of a Wii U game. But if they made things like that available in their free games catalogue, that would be good. But then I don't see why I wouldn't just buy that. They wouldn't make it an exclusive to the subscription. You're right. They can make much more off of that. I I guess they did say that these NES games are more than just a lazy emulated version they have added online multiplayer to them do you want to play balloon fight over the internet yeah or soccer (laughs) soccer yay yeah i mean i don't think it's particularly compelling but we'll see i mean i bet september will roll around and i'll be like oh man i've got really into balloon fight i'm like a balloon fight savant you've got to play this game (laughs) okay random tangent story time with mike I actually bought Balloon Fight in like the 90s because do you remember Macro? Macro, it's kind of like Costco, one of those membership with, only stores. With a K? Yeah. Yeah. 
and they occasionally just sold NES games really cheap. And I bought Balloon Fight for like a tenner in the 90s when a tenner for a NES game was really cheap in the 90s. But I actually literally completed Balloon Fight in an hour and then I returned it. What was wrong with the product, sir? <laughs> it's too short. Actually, they didn't ask any questions. I think I just bought it back and they were like, okay, pick a different game. And I was like, yay. You returned an open product? Yeah. It was the 90s. It was a different time. It was a different time. In the UK, actually, you can just return anything within 14 days, can't you? Only at Argos, I thought. I think it's, I thought it was in UK consumer protection law. Surely only if the product is damaged or not as advertised. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, enough tangenting. Let's move on. Did you watch both of the videos, Jurassic World Evolution and Two Point Hospital? I watched the two videos that are in the show notes. So these are a couple of management games that caught my eye that are coming out this year. Fingers crossed they're coming out this year. Jurassic World Evolution, which is by Frontier Games who did Planet Coaster and they're just building a theme park game with dinosaurs. I really like that in the trailer they just say, and life uh, finds a way and it just shows loads of disasters <laughs> happening and the dinosaurs escaping and the other one is Two Point Hospital which is by Two Point Studios and it's X Lionhead X Bullfrog so X the people who used to make Theme Hospital yes is there a pun I'm not getting here Two Point Hospital is it a pun that I just don't see like why is it Two Point I don't know no me neither it just really feels like there's a joke I'm not getting Maybe it's just not funny. <laughs> Sorry, that sounded worse. Than I <laughs> like 2.0, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I did like the trailer for this as well. I thought it was quite funny. How he had a happy life until he's developed lightheadedness and then his head turns into a light bulb. It's not that funny, I guess. <laughs> they did have one disease in there, which was verbal diarrhea, which I really appreciated. <laughs> Anyway, this was just an excuse to talk about you and management games. And maybe me as well. I think you've probably played more than me. I have, but I want to know what... And we never talk about what you've played. I don't know what you've played. And wait, like, instance, wait, wait, wait. We always talk about what I've played. We never talk about what you've played. But, but carry on. For instance, have you played... Like, Do you care? Like, question one. Do you care? I used to really like management games. And then... I just haven't played any for years and years and years for some reason. I did try playing Tropico 4 because do you remember when SimCity came out and it was a complete disaster? The, the reboot of SimCity this is with the whole always online EA saying it was in the cloud and it blatantly wasn't in the cloud and everyone got peeved. And Tropico, the Tropico devs just said, hey, play Tropico. It doesn't need to be always online. And we've reduced it by 90% this weekend just to rub salt in the wound for EA. So I bought Tropico and I tried playing Tropico, but I didn't really enjoy it. Tropico's still going. It's Tropico 5 now. Yeah, I know. So obviously someone's enjoying Tropico. I think Tropico, I think a lot of these games are really good, but you just have to get in the right mindset and I think I just wasn't in the right mindset. You're just not in the right mindset for SimCity. No one's in the right mindset for SimCity, it seems. Well, it's like how you look at it. Tropico's trying to tell you something as well as being a management game you know you're el presidente and you've got to run this dictatorship there's like a theme to it and you have to kind of get into the theme and if you don't appreciate the theme you're just trying to play it like if you're playing tropico because you really wanted to play sim city but you feel you can't buy sim city because you're trying to boycott sim city then you're not going to enjoy tropico whereas if you want to be el presidente and you buy tropico because you want to be el presidente then you're probably going to enjoy Tropico. So I mostly uh, bought Tropico because I wanted to, you know, give two fingers to EA. Did you buy SimCity? No. <laughs> I was trying to send them a message, boycott SimCity. And I never bought it to this day. I think if you bought SimCity, 
they gave you these games as an apology, and they gave you SimCity 4 Deluxe. That was one of the options. Oh, you mean the good one? Yeah. I have a whole host of games I've listed here. They all started off with the Bullfrog ones. And then there's the Tycoon games. And then it all goes a bit. So that's what started off for me. Like The first PC games was a double pack, so it wasn't one game. Was Theme Park Plus Transport Tycoon. That's why I started. So those are your first PC games. Yeah. That you bought. Yeah. Not that you acquired through dubious means. Or no, no, given. I rebought them. No, no, no that, that's what I mean. I think they're the first ones that you actually went out and bought. Yes. Whereas for me, it was XCOM and Syndicate. Just showing our different... You like to kill things. <laughs> I like to kill things. I like to create things. I like to kill things in a very tactical way. <laughs> Where do you fit in? Like, for instance, I played Theme Hospital, Dungeon Keeper, Roller Coaster Tycoon. Okay, so I've played all of those, but not very much. I think Dungeon Keeper is probably one I played the most of, of those three. Theme Hospital... Yeah, I didn't really play it very much. I played it a little bit, but I never got very far. And Roller Coaster Tycoon... Maybe I haven't played Roller Coaster Tycoon. I played Theme Park World. That's different, isn't it? It is different. Yeah, Roller Coaster Tycoon is the one that's all about roller coasters, and you see people making these wacky, stacked roller coasters that all interleave in each other. Yep, that's the whole point. Yeah, sorry, I haven't played that one. And then, you know, there was a period where it went all 3D, and they tried out different things, like Startopia, Evil Genius. Did not play. And then, I think they just stopped making them. No one cared anymore. That is the thing, they have had a... Well, actually, mm, is that true? Probably not. Can't tell me. Challenge me. Well, there has been a resurgence recently, because obviously we've had City Skylines and all the expansion packs for that, which is apparently really good, but I haven't really played it. Even though I own it, but I've just never actually taken the time to fire it up. And Planet Coaster? Planet Coaster is meant to be really good, right? Not so much as a simulation game, but just as a sandbox of building amazing roller coasters and theme parks. It's been on my wish list for like ages, but I've never bought it because the price has never dropped down to like total price of a cup of coffee, throwaway money. Well, the, the the price of your coffee is going up quicker than <laughs> quick enough and the other it's not going the other way quick enough, so it's fine. Yeah, there's ways to increase your Steam collection. Either it's reduced to the price of a cup of coffee or you start buying more expensive coffee so more things fall into that category. I'm not actually buying £10 cups of coffee yet. Coffee's expensive in Hong Kong. Actually, coffee was really expensive in Japan. I went to a Starbucks in Japan. It was like £5 for coffee. Disgusting. No wonder I never go to Starbucks. The price was disgusting or the coffee was disgusting? <laughs> Both. No, the price was disgusting. The coffee was quite nice. Mostly because I got a drink that was basically an ice cream with some coffee in it. But anyway, sorry. That's another tangent. So, what counts as a management game? Does oxygen not included count as a management game i don't even know what that is okay let's take a brief hiatus to show you oxygen not included on the surface of it yes i mean the particular shtick about oxygen not included is that oxygen's not included as in It simulates all the gases, so as your little people breathe, they breathe out CO2 and they'll eventually poison themselves unless you actually build circulation systems and things to scrub the CO2 and so on and so on and so on. So it's simulating all the gases and liquids and everything. It's kind of like a side-on dwarf fortress. You know, it's kind of like an ant farm kind of game. In fact, does dwarf fortress count as a management game? I still don't truly understand or nor appreciate what Dwarf Fortress is doing or is. I think very few people really appreciate or understand Dwarf Fortress, myself included. I, I did try and play it and was unable to. And then I realised I had to watch like 300 hours of YouTube tutorials and then thought, ain't nobody got time for that. But I really would like to. Maybe I'll take it up when I retire. But there is Prison Architect. Oh, yeah. I've not played that. I mean, either. You know, so they they are they are making a comeback, and there's this. I don't know. I don't know if it's. I don't know how ads work anymore. If I'm honest, I don't know if everyone's seeing the same ad as me, or whether I'm just this company's you, managed you, to 
you're about to reveal something about your viewing habits. What advert? Startup company is a management game that I know a lot about, but is it because I accidentally clicked on them once and now all the ads are... I've never heard of this game. So ads are really targeting me. Yeah, it sounds like it. I've never seen anything about this game. So it's a game where you have to make a startup company. Yeah. And there's another one called Office Management 101, which is office... It sounds like a really dull topic, but it really excites me, the idea of managing an office. Are you really managing an office, though? Because, like, I played Game Dev Tycoon, and Game Dev Tycoon doesn't seem to really be a management game in that sense. Like, you just kind of say, make this kind of game, and some numbers go up. But you're not really... It's not a very deep simulation. In fact, where does the line get drawn between a management game and a simulation game? Or are they the same thing? Same thing. You have to simulate something. I'm sorry, I'm just thinking... Simulation versus sandbox. Where to go? I mean, I guess you could argue a simulation game. I suppose a simulation is a broader category because you have like the immersive sim where you are a character in the simulation. Whereas I guess a management game is you are in a godlike way directing the simulation. Or managing it. Or managing it, I suppose so. Well, there, there used to be a genre of god games, but I guess that's kind of gone out of fashion too. Like, Populous explicitly was... Black and white. Oh, black and white. Yeah, I really did like the sort of game, but you're right. They they kind of faded away and they've come back and I haven't quite got back into them. I keep meaning to play Oxygen Not Included to the extent that I bought it and installed it, but have yet to actually fire it up. It looks really fun. I know it looks really fun. That's why I want to play it. <laughs> it's mostly Northern Lion doing a Let's Play and me thinking, oh, I really want to play this game. Northern Lion is responsible for like all my game purchasing decisions these days. Is he really inefficient? Yes. You know what? That's literally the best way to get me to buy a computer game is to do a Let's Play of it really badly to the point where I get really angry and I'm like, you're playing it so wrong. I could do this 10 times better than you. But for some reason, you respect Northern Lion still. It's not a case of, you're an idiot, I'm going to unsubscribe from your channel. He, he's just so funny. He's just, he's actually just really genuinely funny. Also, he's really good at the Binding of Isaac. So that's why you respect him. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He plays an alarming number of programming games and strategy games and also management sim games, evidently, that he is terrible at to the point where I get angry and decide to buy the game to play it properly. But when it comes to the Binding of Isaac, he is much better than me. Also, I think he's better than me at Slay the Spire still. He, he, because, <laughs> you know, it, it used to anger me, his misplays, but, sorry, this is a terrible tangent again. I've been playing the Slay the Spire daily run, and he always plays the Slay the Spire daily run, and then it's very easy to benchmark your performance versus his, and his score is generally much better than mine. And there have been times when I have died and he has successfully done the daily. So you can't argue with the facts, sadly. So in summary, these two games are coming out in 2018. Neither of us are going to buy them, but we'd like to one day when we retire. Neither of us are going to buy them. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. So you're not going to buy either? Probably not, let's be honest. I'm genuinely quite interested in buying Two Point Hospital. But I didn't really play Theme Hospital that much, so... You, co- you've been playing Theme Hospital, haven't you? Yes, I have. So maybe that's why you're not interested, because that itch has been scratched. Yep. You'll buy it, you just won't play it. Sorry, <laughs> that's what I meant to say. <laughs> Possibly true. Well, I do expect that I'll be playing less PUBG now, because, you know, half of my PUBG squad have returned to their homelands. So maybe I will have more time for other games. You're 24 hour, you have a 24-hour lifestyle. Nothing will change. Nothing will change. Tacom, recon requesting attack chopper class. Starting team are clear to deploy. Going off grid. Check fire, check fire. Kill all of them. Finally. A topic so close to your heart. Call of Duty. <laughs> you should be the one talking about this. Battle Royale, really. Me for the Battle Royale angle, you for the Call of Duty angle. Yeah, I'm going to say some things which will 
make you lose a lot of faith in me. I think. So the major piece of news that came out that made us want to talk about this. Black Ops 4 won't have a single player campaign. And the Call of Duty games have been well, have been renowned for the quality of their single player campaigns. I know that in recent years they have been getting a bit stale. Like people have said that they're just kind of dull. They're always the same scripted moments. So with Modern Warfare, it was... Is it good that your game is like a Michael Bay film? No, because he made Transformers or he is tied to Transformers. <laughs> For a game, I think that's fine. It's very exciting. Lots of explosions. Yeah, but the, the narrative makes no sense. So for the recent ones, then, it's been a disappointment. But originally, they really came together as military shooters with a narrative which made sense for an action game. Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare 2 are the two really good ones, right? I really like 3 as well. I have never played any of the Call of Duty single-player campaigns, surprisingly. I have no idea why. Because you're better than that? You know what? It's probably because I wouldn't have bought the Call of Duty games full stop. I only buy them because other people are playing the multiplayer. But if you'd asked what kind of games I played in the past, you know, before PUBG, I would never have said really that I was really into first-person shooters. Like, I quite enjoy them, but I would have said I preferred RPGs or strategy games or tactical games or something. So... I think I've mostly bought these games because of their multiplayer and because my friends are playing the multiplayer. So in a way, I shouldn't care that they're taking away the single player, but I do feel kind of sad that they are. I mean, a lot of people have been saying, oh, single player games are dying. But now you've said they've been declining quality. It makes sense, actually. I think the cost of making a high quality single player campaign has been going up and up and up because... The animations, the scripting, the set pieces, to fool your brain into thinking it's real, the amount of effort that has to go into that for these scripted set pieces, for the, for these explosions when they blow up the building or something, you know, they can't just say, oh, building blow up. They actually have to animate that building blowing up. I guess the physics simulation is not good enough to just trust it. Did you play the single player campaign for Battlefield 1? No. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. When I Yeah, when I said that the Call of Duty single player is often held up as, you know, a really good example of a single player, that's mostly in comparison to Battlefield, which is held up as an example of what not to do. The recent COD single player campaigns have been good compared to Battlefield. Let's let's be clear on that. Just this is not as breathtaking as they were in the beginning of the series. But as you pointed out, single player games are definitely not dying, really. No. At the back end of last year when EA closed a couple of studios and cancelled their single player Star Wars games, everyone was... I think there was an overreaction about the death of single player games. But Sony's come out and I don't know, I think Sony have proven otherwise. Actually, that's a really interesting point because all of the examples we have for really great single player campaigns are all Sony exclusives. We've got Uncharted 4... Horizon Zero Dawn, and God of War. So, they're all Sony exclusives. <laughs> hmm. That actually hadn't occurred to me before. I'm sure there are Microsoft examples too, just we're not... Well, neither of us owns an Xbox One. I suppose like Gears of War? Was that any good? Was that about the single player? I don't know. And Halo, but that's... I don't, I don't even know if that's about single player either. Hmm... We have Nintendo games as well. Yes, Breath of the Wild was a, an extremely good single-player game. And Mario Odyssey. And Mario Odyssey. But that's enough about that. Let's talk about Blackout. So this is the other side of the equation. This is Call of Duty's Battle Royale mode. What was your initial reaction to the trailer? My initial reaction to the trailer was... Um, I probably haven't played enough Call of Duty to really understand what they're talking about when they say bring what makes Call of Duty 
well, or bring what makes Black Ops great to Battle Royale. I mean, I guess you have like the custom loadout stuff, right? And customize your class and the card system or whatever it is. I mean, that could be fun. Well, would that be fun? I don't know. For me, an intrinsic part of Battle Royale games is the looting. I mean, we haven't talked about it much on the podcast, but on stream, it is often commented on that I just love to loot. I just love to loot so much. Loot over friends. Loot over reviving. <laughs> yeah. They'd be like, yay, we won. Now let's loot their bodies. And someone else would be going, uh, can you help me? I'm down. And it's like, huh? What, what was that? And it's like, I just found, oh, I just found a silent set. And they'd be like, uh, and then they'll just die. Yeah, whoops. Or I spend so long faffing that the blue zone catches up to us and we just get wiped out. I don't know. Instant action. If you if you came in with a loadout, that would make the game very different. Versus the looting. The looting phase is quite... To me, the looting phase is quite an important part of the game. Like deciding whether you're going to do a hot drop and go to a high population area where you have to like fight it out with your fists or whatever you can find. Versus trying to drop somewhere less exciting but to get just even one acceptable weapon and then try and pick off the person that survived the hot drop you know use them as a loot filter even a pistol's deadly if they don't see you coming that's a really good insight actually i think you've captured why i don't like pubg and why i'm so excited for blackout (laughs) you really want to play blackout Fine, I guess we'll play Blackout for like an hour. The looting really winds me up. The looting really winds you up. I love the looting. I just want my guns. I don't want to run around picking stuff up and being disappointed by what I'm picking up. You've got to be versatile, you know. You've got to be like, well, all I've got this round is the pistol, but that's fine. I can kill someone with a pistol. It's ten minutes wasted. It is actually frustrating when you, you land somewhere and you loot the whole town and all you've got is like a pistol and a crossbow, and you're like, what is this? This is bugged. And then you come across someone with, like, you know, a sniper rifle and an eight-time scope, and, you know, they're firing at you, and you're just charging at them with your pistol. It's like, it's fine, I can do this. And no, I can't do this. You've played COD. You'll be earning kill streaks As the game progresses, as there are fewer people left in the field, you can have be crazy overpowered potentially what the can you imagine kill yeah you're right i had never this has not occurred to me kill streaks in battle royale do you think they're gonna do this just to make it mad yes i did think in the trailer they showed what to me looked like a remote controlled car like an explosive remote control car that's a black ops thing right yes that is that would be really fun i can imagine like i think there's someone in that building send in the remote that would add something to the game i would genuinely be interested in stuff like that it could work. I'm excited. I do think it will be good. And I can't be too sad about the removal of single player given that I literally never played the single player campaigns. So if it means that the multiplayer is better, then I suppose objectively I should be happy with that, even though emotionally I'm sad about it. There's a really funny quote from this article about it. Polygon sources said as Black Ops 4's release date approached, it became evident that development on the single-player campaign wouldn't be completed. Since then, according to Polygon sources, developer Treyarch has focused on expanding multiplayer and the zombies mode. How is that acceptable? It's like, oh, we're not going to make the date for this. Let's just give them something else instead. It's like, oh, I'm not going to make the date for my tax return. Uh, let's just send the tax man this ice cream. That'll get me off the hook. It makes perfect sense. I think that's fair. We're not going to hit the date, so why put in something that's half done and get shat on? <laughs> no, okay. What I mean is, like, did they actually spend a load of time on a single-player campaign and be like, oh, we're not going to finish it in time, let's just throw it away, or let's just keep it in the back pocket and it'll be in Black Ops 5? That's a good idea. <laughs> it, just seems, it just seems really weird. To me, it just seems really weird. And then, on the Battle Royale theme... There's a whole load of other ones coming out. I mean, PUBG's going to have some serious competition. I mean, right now, it's between PUBG and Fortnite. But there's a whole bunch of challenges in various different states of completion. So, just a few of the ones I've heard of. Ring of Elysium, which is backed by Tencent, I think. 
I know Shroud was playing it recently. For a while, you could only play it in Thailand, unless you did loads of funny, funky stuff to download it outside of Thailand. Islands of the Nine, I read about on Ars Technica. I haven't played it, but it sounded quite interesting as well. Rather than just there being level one, two, three helmets, for example, there's going to be... Ten, sorry. Ten helmets? No. (laughs) It's kind of... The plot device for, for Islands of Nine is that you're kind of super soldiers and aliens have kidnapped you from different areas of history or something. I don't know. So you get things like high-tech helmets and low-tech helmets. So the high-tech helmet offers less protection but gives you like a heads-up display and the low-tech helmet gives you no additional intel but it's just like a big metal helmet and it gives you more protection. For example, also in the warm-up phase it's actually just like a deathmatch mode so you can actually practice with the guns which is quite good too. Radical Heights. Rest in peace. So, what happened to them? They ran out of money. <laughs> so, Bosky Studios, they made another game called Lawbreakers, which never worked out. So, they fart, so they put together. <laughs> you won't say they farted out. <laughs> Radical Heights. In maybe a few months. And you played Radical Heights. I actually thought Radical Heights was good. I'm going to say something controversial, but I enjoyed Radical Heights more than I enjoyed Fortnite. It's probably because my experience of playing Fortnite is getting murdered by 12-year-olds. I'm being facetious. I have no idea if they're really 12. But it is getting killed in ways I don't understand by people who just, like, build a tower and shoot a rocket at me. Whereas Radical Heights was more familiar. And I actually thought that the Radical Heights circle mechanic, which wasn't actually a circle, was really good. So it was more true to the original Battle Royale movie. The map is divided into squares and they become danger zones that kill you. So it's not a shrinking circle. It's more granular and they can produce more interesting shapes by marking certain zones as dangerous. So in the few games that I played, sometimes you get forced into like a long thin channel or effectively a maze of safe zones that would lead up to the fight dome for the end. I thought it was really interesting. But anyway, it's probably going to evaporate soon. Did you look for it just now? As of the time we're recording this, the servers are still up. But they probably won't be up for much longer. I know that they've removed the founders pack, which is the way you could pay for it in early access. I think probably also no one was playing it. I mean, I did actually try and play it the other day when PUBG was down and we were waiting like half an hour for a game and we couldn't, we couldn't get a game. So it's gone already. It's dead. It's over. Sad times. Slightly further out. Well, let's wait, wait, wait. Let's 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 go a bit more mainstream. Okay. Battlefield Five. Yeah. Actually, that's what I was going to talk about, Ting. Oh, sorry. Wait, is Radical Heights not mainstream? Battlefield Five is more mainstream. Okay, fine. Actually, Radical Heights doesn't fit in anywhere. No one's heard of it. No one's playing it. <laughs> fine. Battlefield Five. V. I was going to. say... Damn it, I was about to say that. Is it Battlefield 5 or is it Battlefield V? Do we not know? I don't. Well, no. we don't know. Does anybody know? Don't answer that. And if it is Battlefield V, does the V stand for something? Like vengeance? Victory? Victory. That would be good, wouldn't it? I, I'm really disappointed they haven't called this Battlefield Royale. I mean, it's such a perfect name. It's like how Fast and the Furious 8 was called Fate of the Furious. It was just like, it's so perfect. There's still time. There's still time, yeah. Battlefield Royale. It's a no-brainer. It would be amazing. Battlefield, Battle Royale mode. Have they actually come out and said that it's a Battle Royale game? Or just that they will have a Battle Royale mode? I thought it was the latter. Yeah, I suspect it's the latter too. I mean, I know even for COD... It's not that it's just Battle Royale, it's just that there is a Battle Royale mode. So maybe Battlefield 5 will have Battlefield Royale as its mode. I do wonder whether these games that are just bolting on a Battle Royale mode will really be that good. If they're not committed to it, it's just like a half-assed add-on. But, you know, as we discussed with Black Ops, with all the gadgets and stuff, 
it will bring something new. And Battlefield with all its vehicles, like the tanks and the planes, you know, that could be really cool. Although, wouldn't that be just sorely unbalanced? Imagine <laughs> imagine if it's the last circle and you're there hiding in a bush with your sniper rifle and then a tank just rolls up. You can be like, uh-oh. I mean, it's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's like, I brought a sniper rifle to a tank fight. But they went to the, you know, they they found a way to get the tank. They risked it all and it paid off for them. Being in a tank, it doesn't always work out. It never worked out for us. <laughs> never worked out for us. That's because we suck. <laughs> it's true. It, you might get some very interesting dynamics, actually, because maybe there will be someone who gets a tank and then a whole bunch of people have to club together to take out the tank. And then once they've taken out the tank, they just immediately turn on each other again because they, you know, they know if they don't cooperate to take out the tank, that guy's going to win. And because they all want to win themselves, they have to work together to kill the tank. And then they can go back to killing each other. Like, who, I mean, who knows if that's how it's going to work out. Or maybe they'll just keep killing each other and the guy in the tank will be like, la la la, I win. Battlefield is the one that I think is closest to having a Battle Royale mode already. It already has large maps. It already has 64-player multiplayer on PC. Actually, on PS4 as well, doesn't it? You, you can have very large player count games. And... It already has semi-realistic weapon handling, so you do get bullet drop. And it was already the case that you could snipe someone from like a kilometre away. Is that right? I think so. I I remember doing extremely long sniper shots in Battlefield. I'm not sure. On PC. Even the class system would work out much better if you had squads in Battle Royale. Yes, that's true. Battlefield has always been a more cooperative and squad-based game. And that is a much more natural fit to squads mode Battle Royale. In the Battlefield versus COD, you know, are you red or blue kind of team dynamic, I've always been on the Battlefield side of the fence, whereas you've been on the COD side of the fence. So I am more interested in Battlefield V... I've got nothing against Battlefield, just no one will play Battlefield. <laughs> I think Battlefield's more PC. Maybe I just, I played it on PC and that's why I feel that way. Will we play either of them? You're going to get COD, aren't you? Probably. We should do some marketing. We should market to the, to the people and try to get them to get Battlefield. To the Destiny crew. Yeah. To the Monster Hunter crew. <laughs> I'm more interested in sort of um, game length. How long does a Fortnite game take? It's also about half an hour, I think. Yeah, your problem is that you can't play more than 10 minutes. Yeah, really, I can't. Because of your family commitments. Yeah, it's just not compatible because it's so unsatisfying to play for half an hour only to lose. I'm not getting another go after that. Uh, I I do see where you're coming from, because my average PUBG session is three hours in order to play enough to feel like we've had a satisfying, you know, shot at getting the chicken dinner. So if you could only play one game of it, and that game might be one where you just pick a bad drop spot and get wiped pretty early, I can see that would be frustrating. But that's what gives it the tension, man. That's what makes it fun. I need payoff. You need payoff too. I've, there are times when you've had victoryless, winless sessions, and you'll bring that up immediately. <laughs> anyway, one more Battle Royale game I wanted to bring up. So this is one that literally no one seems to have heard of, and I myself hadn't heard of it until I saw a Reddit thread comparing the expected map sizes of various Battle Royale games. So they were showing PUBG, Fortnite. They were showing the predicted map size of Black Ops 4 Blackout based on their comments about it being 1,500 times bigger than Nuketown. What was the estimate? Oh, I can't remember. 
I can't remember in terms of like kilometers, but it's not oh, very big relative to PUBG. Oh, it's it looks tiny. That's fine. That's enough. That's enough. No, no, you should see it just so you can see. It's actually quite an interesting picture. Okay, so looking at this screenshot where they've put side by side all of the different battle royale maps for games, well, for the two major contenders, PUBG and Fortnite. PUBG obviously has multiple maps, so they've shown its original map, Irangle, and its new, more focused, small map, Sanhok. The COD Blackout predicted map, which is pretty small, 2.6 square kilometers. And then this other game, Maverick's Proving Grounds, which is supposedly going to be 400 players in 144 square kilometers of map. That's a very large map. That's too large. How do you navigate that? It probably is too large. Well, actually, no, I mean, this is going to depend a lot on how the actual game plays out, but if it starts out like PUBG, or indeed Fortnite, where there's a flight path and you jump off from that flight path, the people aren't going to be evenly distributed across the map. They're going to be clustered in a few particular spots that are popular to drop to, and that means that a lot of people are going to die very early on, and then you're just going to have a quarter of the server on an enormous map, which is probably too big. But they'll shrink it. I mean, that's what made PUBG so... That's what changed everything with PUBG. They were able to bring people together very quickly. You you say that, but most of the complaints about PUBG... Actually, there's a lot of complaints about PUBG. One of the loud complaints about PUBG is that the mid-game is boring. So, early game, if you do a hot drop, there's a lot of action, a lot of fighting. And literally, in that first few minutes, half of the players will die. Sometimes even more than half. And then in the mid-game, you have, you know, maybe 30 to 50% of the players left alive, but they're spread across the entire map before the first and second circles come in. So the mid-game is actually very quiet, and it's mostly just running around and doing more looting, which, if you enjoy looting, then that's fine. But if you don't enjoy looting, then it's just very frustrating because nothing happens. Don't they just need to change the timings of the circles and the size of the circles? Yes, but it's more difficult than you'd think. Or at least it appears to be more difficult than you'd think because they haven't managed to get it right yet. I mean, the problem is, if you make the circle too small and move too fast, then you need a vehicle to survive the circle. And so you end up with situations where either everyone ends up dying to the circle because there aren't enough vehicles, or the circle's still moving too slowly and it's still very boring. So Maverick's Proven Grounds is supposedly going to be a very rich simulation. You'll be able to track people by their footprints. When someone walks through some bushes, they're going to leave a trail in the undergrowth and you'll be able to see that and then follow them. So I guess that is how they're saying that you won't be wandering around blindly for, you know, an hour looking for another player. (laughs) Hide and seek simulator. (laughs) Sounds great. It's supposedly running on this spatial OS, which is a kind of back-end designed for MMOs. So it'll be quite interesting to see if that really works out. It's all vaporware at the moment. I think PC Gamer magazine got invited to try it out and they played a version that was like five players, so hardly 400. Whether it really scales out to that many players and whether it's really fun remains to be seen. But it's cool to see that so many people are trying slightly different variations on the Battle Royale formula. Other than Fortnite, who pretty much copied it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Fortnite had their building. And, and you know, that, that actually really changed the game a lot. We're going to have very small, focused maps. We're going to have gigantic, gigantic maps. Is PUBG going to be just right? Or is PUBG going to be seen as the one that kick-started this round of Battle Royale, but no longer the quintessential battle royale what's going on with its console release what you mean the xbox one and ps4 release so i think it's an xbox one exclusive for a while at least a timed exclusive that won't help no there's also a lot of outrage because they just keep releasing loot crates there was patch 13 and the community manager okay this is actually really funny the community manager had previously said 
we're dedicated to improving performance. We're going to stop at nothing until we fix the performance problems. And then patch 13 drops. And what's in patch 13? A new loot crate and a parachute skin that you can buy for $5. Like, where are the performance improvements? Huh? It's just another loot crate. And then not only is it another loot crate, it's a loot crate that has a new key. So they previously said, oh, well, the early bird key will open all clothing crates. And now they've just released a crate that needs this aviator key to buy. It's like, what happened to the early bird key will open all the crates. I don't know. This all happened while I was on holiday. So I was unable to, uh, you know, fetch my pitchfork and join in the outrage because I was sat in a bath trying to hide my nakedness with a tiny towel. <laughs> well, that was unnecessary. What? That's how it is in Japan. That's how it is in Japan. <laughs> we don't need to hear about you hiding your nakedness. <laughs> Ever. This really destroyed my train of thought. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Goodness me. What else, what else is there to say, anyway? Can you wrap this up? <laughs> Nothing to say. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club on twitter at lostlevelsclub on reddit slash r slash lostlevelsclub on youtube and also on twitch as lostlevelsclub what are you grateful for Sir Michael? I'm grateful for hiding my nakedness <laughs> sorry sorry I, I'm grateful I'm grateful for I'm grateful for going on holiday I'm grateful for a great holiday in relaxing hot spring country I'm grateful for melon cereal. Good. (laughs) Mike says bye. Bye Bye-bye.